So it's your birthday, Mike, is it? No, 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 no. no. My birthday was the third. It's been and gone. I know, but <laughs> it's the month of... Oh, you've given away your date. I was going to keep it anonymous. <laughs> I'm not going to keep this in. This is, oh, our, okay. this is our pre-chat. This is our pre-chat where we're drinking tea and... But you keeping the fun bits from the pre-chat. Yeah, I keep the fun bits. This isn't a fun bit. Discovering how old I am. Okay, sorry. We should talk about stuff that we can keep in. I should talk about... <clears throat> scandalous relationship things but i can't think of anything so i went around to your flat the other day and i saw i saw you proposed with the destiny logo it worked <laughs> and it worked she said yes, yes. She's, she's an avid destiny fan too or more accurately it was a heart that was a bit pointy but she says it looks like underpants <laughs> and therefore the destiny logo looks like underpants it's true it's a sign it's a Look. sign it's pants the joke's on us. The joke's on us. Yes. On that note, it's time to start the podcast. Give a primal scream of of yay! It's time to start the podcast. Yay! <laughs> yes, that wasn't very primal, but it's very northern. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was very northern. Yay! Awesome. That was great. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I'm Mike. I'm Ting. We're a book club for games. Although, Mike would say that. We're a book club for tangents? I don't know. What are we? Did you read the book? Did you play the game? I played some of the game. I played some of the game. I'm, I'm not here to pick up chicks. <laughs> Let's make that clear. Okay. The, the thing is, the book club game, Borders Gate 2, we're putting it back on the shelf? Yeah, we are. Although, you're going to keep playing it. I'm going to keep playing you're, it. Because you're committed to finishing Borders Gate 2. Yeah, definitely. But we're kind of drawing a line under it and we're going to give some impressions because if we wait for you to finish the game it might be 2017 that's truth <laughs> so i think we, we, we reserve truth. the right to pick it up and take it off the shelf again at some later point but i think we've given it a good run you've been playing it since uh, what july last year july last year july last year i also um have fired it up and i've been playing i'm a thief who's not actually a thief this time because i'm mega min maxing and i'm still in the first of my two dual classes so i'm not actually a thief yet but we'll do impressions and more details on that yeah more details later uh, in a separate podcast so the main thing is that the book club game is changing to the witness are you surprised am i surprised no this is the figurative (laughs) is everyone else surprised obviously yeah well you shouldn't be because i have a blow obsession why why we actually have covered this before. I used to read a website called TigSource, and I think one time they they featured, they blogged about a presentation that Jonathan Blow did about prototypes. And I watched that presentation, and it was really, really good. It really made me think. It really made me understand the value of prototypes. And I think I just really liked the way he presented, and I really liked the way he thought him explaining the way he thought made me think and made me think about the way that i think so impacted how you thought on a general level or only as a develop on a developer level how powerful is jonathan blow hmm that's a tough question actually did it make me did it change the way i think in general yes that's the question i'm asking I'm not sure, actually. That's a really insightful question. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it would be... 
black like and white a throw, to you. Like a throwaway question. No, I think that's a that's a really interesting question. Did it change the way I think in general, or did it just change the way I think? It certainly made me change the way I think about computer games. And it made me think about the way I program. Did it change the way I think at some baser level? I don't know. But I think it's quite hard to to really philosophically think about the way you're thinking. Because it's, it's something you're not aware of most of the time. Or, or are you? You should be. I you should, should be? be reflecting regularly. This is like mindfulness, isn't it? This is your value every interaction. Whenever you're in transport, you should be reflecting on your life because you're not, you've got nothing better to do. Scary thought. I realise that I retract. <laughs> retract that now. It's quite funny that you've managed to catch me so off guard with this question. I think that I'm never alone with my thoughts anymore. There's always something. There's always, there's always the reading the internet, reading a book, reading Reddit on my phone. There's always music playing or a podcast playing or something in my ears. I'm very rarely alone with my thoughts anymore. What about music? Music? You can still be alone with your thoughts with music on. You can, but it's not the same as just not having anything structured playing into your ears and just and just experiencing the world. Yeah. Good question. I don't know. I suspect that it did, but not in an overt way. The fact the presentation affected how you, you know, how you think about programming is enough for me to watch it, to want to watch it. Simple. That's, that's what I was going for. The real question was, should I watch it? And you had to say it either affected you on a, as you as a programmer or your life generally. And then, well, if, if it affected your life generally, I'm watching it tonight. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did mention this like a month ago, so <laughs> it can't have been that. <laughs> you can't have been that interested. Because it's in the notes for one of the previous podcasts. I know, but I'm listening and I'm processing and I'm absorbing. I mean, I'm valuing this interaction. You're valuing this interaction? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if I, that's the difference. It's because I've said it in 2016 now. Yep. Okay. I should take advantage of this. Sorry. <laughs> but. <laughs> so, yes. That was my introduction to Jonathan Blow. That presentation about prototypes and playing Braid, which was like the renaissance, the rebirth of indie games when making a game on your own or in a small team became viable again in a way that it hadn't been since the ZX Spectrum. Not that long ago. Maybe period after that as well. The Amiga. Yeah, there you, you go. You know what I mean. There you go. In a way that wasn't viable then in the PlayStation, yeah. in the PlayStation N64 era, for example, then. And, and also we watched what? Indie Game the Movie recently? I was trying to work out how recently. Yeah, it must have been two or three months ago by now. <laughs> Which is not that recently, actually. Uh, that just yeah. goes to show how our lives are going. Recent enough. Did that make you... Give you any interest in Braid, at least? Or is that your only exposure to Jonathan Blow? It gave me interest in building a, a game. It's a lot of sacrifice, though. Fucking hell. I salute you, Mr. McMillan. <laughs> Fucking hell. Edmund McMillan. Yeah. I'm just confused, because I thought for a minute, 
What, Margaret Millen? <laughs> that's, my, that's my friend who I used to work with. Well, actually, no, who I didn't used to work with. Explicitly didn't used to work with. Um, tangent, tangent, tangent. Yeah, so the most interesting thing, Jonathan Blow specific, was although the critics were applauding his effort, the fact they didn't see into what he wanted to show them really affected him. And that, from that, I paid attention. That's, that is the sort of reason I like what Jonathan Blow is doing. How many games has Jonathan Blow actually made? I mean, really only, or really only mainstreamly, certainly, Braid. And that's why The Witness, The Witness, it's like the difficult second album. Braid was critically acclaimed and is a fantastic game. You haven't played it, have you? No. It's, it's why this podcast is so fun. And it's, it's almost like, I want you to experience these things. But at the same time, I <laughs> the fact that you haven't played them is it's very interesting to see someone who considers themselves to play computer games and yet hasn't played a lot of these. It's like watching a child ride a bike for the first time. No, not really. But I, I would like you to play Braid. Maybe we should pick it as the book club game. Let's maybe after I've picked The Witness and if you like The Witness or if you hate The Witness. We still pick Braid. <laughs> we still pick Braid. Well, it'll be, it's kind of your turn to pick next time, so we'll see. But, yeah, The Witness, it's following Braid. It's a tough act to follow. It's, it's what do I know about it now? Not that much. We, we actually talked about it last week as well, because I'm obviously, obviously just love to talk about The Witness. It's much longer. It's, it's 3D. It looks pretty. It's on an island. And there's a lot of maze puzzles. Maybe it's only maze puzzles. Saying that, you are expecting it to be Talos Principle, but... More subtle, more... More... More! <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> Just like, that's what I was, I was helping you out there! <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're gesturing towards. Sorry. Yeah. The, the, the Talos Principle, first-person puzzle game, trying to tell some story about the human condition, and yet doing it in a very in-your-face way, it's pretty obvious from the get-go, you're a robot, or you're an AI, or you're something, there's something not right, it's not the real world. The Witness, The Witness, it's, again, I think it's trying to tell you something about the human condition, at least that's what I intuit from what Jonathan Blow has said but somehow doing it in a in a less in your face way and I'm probably hugely overthinking it and probably giving it too much credit I should play it and then make an opinion when you say that it does sound quite intriguing though and from those words I can definitely see why there's hype like there's there's Mike hype. I think people who are hyped for The Witness are really hyped for The Witness. And most people just know nothing about it and don't care at all. Mm, it's a pretty game. It is a pretty game. It's been many years in the making. And also, oh, so since we talked last, it is available for pre-order. But there's no pre-order bonus. So as I said, Jonathan Blow keeping it real. I wonder if there are, I wonder if there are achievements. I don't think there will be. Yeah, I don't know. In an attempt to kind of cover up the story and not to make people just game it. If contractually he's obligated to put in achievements by, say, 
as a condition of releasing on PS4 because you have to have achievements. I would love it if there was just one platinum trophy <laughs> and it would be understand the witness. <laughs> oh, and did we say you have to submit an essay? Oh, I would love that. That would be, that would be the funniest, actually. Obviously, it's not going to be that. It's going to be, you know, you'll, you'll finish the game or you'll find something and then it would award you a trophy. But that would be hilarious if you had to submit an essay to Jonathan Blow and if he considers that you understood the witness he'll, he'll approve you the trophy and it'll appear or you can get a gold, silver or bronze trophy <laughs> depending on <laughs> on how on how properly you understood yeah yes seriously we should do that ourselves we should just write a game with one trophy oh four trophies that's a great idea I might I might steal that the next weekend do it in fact yeah okay so before we move on and cover that no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers for The Witness, or I will be very sad. I don't, I don't appreciate what you're saying there. You don't want me to spoil it for no, you. You please, don't want anyone to spoil it for no, you. No, don't spoil The Witness for me. I'm going to have to, after release, I'm going to have to hide in a bunker. And I hope Edmund McMillan stops tweaking about The Witness. Actually, if you I tweak... I have to block him. Then you have this, like, conflict, though. Do we want people to talk to us? Or people to satisfy your... Oh, Oh no! What what I'm, if it's fine? You know it's fine. You, you can just deal with it. You deal with social media for a couple of weeks. What if someone decides to post on the Reddit? You know, and and double our numbers. Would you rather they didn't, or would you rather they did and ruin the witness? Oh, actually, that sounds worse. It's fine. I'm just gonna. Well, I should just take a day off and play the witness for twenty hours. <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. Yeah, well, that's true. If you're gonna take it on Monday. It's alright. It's almost Chinese New Year. I'll have three days to play it. You'll finish it in one. And okay, on the note of stealing this idea, why are you stealing this idea, Mike? Why will you have the opportunity to steal this idea? Because I am going to, or at least I'm signed up for, Global Game Jam. So tell me, Ting, what is Global Game Jam? Because I think you know more about it than me. (laughs) You've done more research. I've just signed up and I'm going to it. So it's it's a weekender. I think it's, you don't have to be a game dev. Ideally, you have some experience in it. You just go in, sign up, join a team and produce a game in 48 hours. There are 48 hours. You can sleep through some of it or not. Yeah, so there's, there are several sites globally where you can participate in the game jam. Uh, I think you can actually just register a site anytime you like. Well, probably it's a bit late now, but sites can just unilaterally set up and register with the game jam. There is a site in Hong Kong. Uh, it's in Cyberport, which is on the south side of the island. I've never actually been there before, but I'll have to figure out how to get there. And yeah, it's a 48-hour, notionally 48-hour, but really it starts on starts on the Friday and runs over the weekend. The idea is that you go there, you form a team, and you make a game on a theme that they're going to give you. And you'll do it in Hong Kong, but there'll be you know, hundreds yeah. of other sites doing the same thing. Yeah, all over the world. But this won't be the first time you've built anything. So, well, actually, my game dev chops are pretty weak. Obviously, I'm a dev. It's my day job. But game dev, game dev is kind of a different beast. It's kind of, it's kind of like you can be a painter, but what kind of painter? You could be, you could be a portrait artist. You could be a landscape artist. You could paint houses. There's, there's many different kinds of painter there's many different kinds of dev so obviously the kind of development i do day to day is not the same as game dev 
but obviously we're having this conversation i obviously am really into computer games and i guess i've dabbled but only as a hobbyist so i do actually have finally a unity pro license that i bought thanks to sunk cost fallacy sunk cost fallacy bit of economics for you Oh, no, it's not. Sunk cost is, but sunk cost fallacy isn't. It's sunk cost fallacy is psychology. Yeah. Unity obviously has been out for ages now, and it's like the indie game engine to use. Although really, there's plenty of alternatives now. If you're an indie, you could use Unreal without many repercussions. Unless, unless you're planning for your game to sell millions of copies up front, I think it's probably a safe bet to use Unreal these days. Uh, but Unity didn't used to be free. Unity used to have an indie version and a pro version and the indie version was 200 usd and the pro version was a thousand and i deciding that i finally wanted to do something about this dream of working in computer games i several years ago bought unity indie edition just to muck around and about two or three months after i bought the indie edition they made it free and they said oh we're really sorry to everyone who bought the indie edition but we'll give you this big discount on the pro version how big was the discount uh i think it was more than 200 dollars. i think it was it was it wasn't that much though it wasn't that much more than 200 dollars. but i was like that's only 25 percent yeah if you want to <laughs> be generous <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, oh, I've thrown away $200. I may as well throw away another 800 or something. Like, jackpot. <laughs> so, sunk cost fallacy. What, did I, what can I say? I went. I really went all in on this. I'd, I'd, I'd obviously bought Unity Indian. I'd been playing around with it. And this was when iPhone dev was all the rage as well. And everyone was... It was the massive gold rush for iOS apps. It was a time when things like I don't know if you remember this, the app I Am Rich, which was just a 3D ruby that was glinting and it was $1,000 in the app store and some people bought it. it. It was like, it was a mad cash grab. And I was thinking, I want to get in on this too. And so I bought Unity and I was just playing around. And for the first project, as a, just a getting to understand Unity, I made a match three puzzle game, just to try it around and... I had lots of abstractions in there. You could play it on the computer. You could play it on the iPhone, obviously. And on the iPhone, it would because I'd abstracted out the touch stuff. It was multi-touch in the iPhone. It was single touch on on a when you're playing it with a mouse, say. But lots of just fun stuff like that. And I thought it wasn't a bad puzzle game, even though this was just the practice project. And so I thought, oh, I should release this. And so when they did the whole thing with Unity Indie and the and the Pro license. When that happened, I thought, well, I'm going to go all in, and I set up a limited company and I used the limited company to buy Unity Pro, and I had an iOS dev license and everything. It was all transferred into the company's name. Yeah, as I said, went all in. Had Unity Pro, released an iOS app, and in the end, the game I called it Uprising. I probably would have, if it did really get really popular, I probably would have been sued because I'm sure that some other companies trademarked that as a game name. Uprising, the match three. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's just amazing because Uprising sounds fucking brutal. 
Yeah. But it's a match three. Yeah, because it's a brutal match three. No, so the so the, the reason for the name was because the stack of blocks actually is like constantly rising. And so you're having to fight to like match blocks to keep it from reaching the top. That was the idea. <laughs> I remember I still remember like the random conversations I was having with friends about what should I call this thing? And then there were other like weird like portmanteau names like block demise or block demise or something and then really off the wall ones like someone's come come and actually call it like storm fury or something and have the blocks coming down instead and then even more abstract storm furry thanks to like a spelling mistake and then and then i should like make it a furry game but obviously in the end i went with uprising i did release it it did okay it didn't get many downloads because uh, i had like zero advertising and the experience of actually doing this was very valuable, like of setting up a limited company, of releasing a game and realizing, wow, it really is 1% making the game, 99% marketing. Literally, who knows about this thing? If you do no marketing, no one's going to know about this thing. Just like this podcast. <laughs> Just shows I haven't learned my lesson. We're doing a better job here, possibly. Not really. Oh. I, the, the thing is, I did eventually get about 20,000 downloads. I got 12,000 downloads actually in one week when I did get some advertising un- unexpectedly. So back in the day on the App Store, if you made your game free, it became eligible for the new free games section. And I made the game go from costing 79 pence or $1, one US dollar to free. And it appeared in the new free game section. And the unofficial Apple weblog actually picked up and reviewed it as their game of the week. And off the back of that, I immediately got 12k downloads. But it was free, so I didn't make any money out of this. But that advertising immediately got me 12k downloads. Maybe we should pay for advertising. Maybe. I've read this before. I leave that to you. I already do all the editing. You can do the social media presence. Work harder, ting. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Actually, just just as a fun tangent, for every hour of audio recording, it takes about six hours to edit it. There's a lot of ums and ahs and likes and road noise and traffic, ghosts, rats, trucks, car horns, dogs barking to cut out. Pipes. Pipes, burping, Ting saying something socially unacceptable. <laughs> Not really, it's all me. I, I wrote down here that um, <laughs> I built something. And what did you build? I don't know if it's even worth talking. One of my friends had this game engine, a server-side game engine, and I would just build the client for it. So he had a game engine, which was something akin to Civilization, some turn-based resource management game. And he said, I suggest, Ting, if you have some time, just put a client on this. I would have a game engine running. I just have to configure it. I took a week off to go around his to build something on Android for him. I just did a week, that's it. Oh, and you didn't finish it? No, I didn't finish it. But does it exist now? Did someone else finish it? No, it exists on my PC. I hope it exists on my PC. Otherwise, I'll be really gutted. And just to clear up as well, my game doesn't exist anymore either. So because it was done as a limited company, unfortunately, one of the conditions of the job contract that moved me to Hong Kong was that I uh, wind up the limited company and take the game off the App Store. So unfortunately, what, like five years ago now, I actually had to take the game down. Are you going to revive it? Am I going to revive it? I, could, you... I could do now, actually. I totally could do. But no, I, I haven't done. Well, we'll see. Maybe maybe going to Global Game Jam will reinvigorate me and re-inspire me to, to do something, even if it's as small as just uh, resurrecting the Uprising code and probably giving it a less contentious name. Storm Furry sounds good, though. Storm Furry. I'll back that.
So all the uh, the bubbles would be furries, right? <laughs> yeah, I should ask. Is that the plan? No, I don't know. I don't know what that would be. I don't know what that would be. I mean, I could just make the blocks furry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it's chucking it down with furries, like a storm. Like a storm of furries. Yeah. I think... I, mm, PewDiePie will pick that up. PewDiePie will pick that up. Well, I think furries is quite a niche market. You never know. It might do really well. They're probably underserved. Yeah, same way that goats are underserved, right? Goats are. I, you know what? I really love that Dreamery born Tumblr. It's so bad. I'm so. I'm still. I'm still subscribing. Like whenever a new, whenever a new comic or drawing comes out from, like, ooh, it's so great. Yeah, I don't know why I like it so much. So, what do you expect your contribution to be at this game jam? Well, obviously, I'm a, I'm a dev, so I expect to be writing some code and, 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 and. and Thanks to sunk cost fallacy, I still have my Unity Pro license. I've been keeping it up. So every couple of years, they come back and go, oh, there's a new major version of Unity out. You can keep your license up to date by paying another, what, like 500 USD. And I've just been like going, well, I've done it this long. I'm going to do it again. So sunk cost fallacy, it's a dangerous drug. I have an update Unity Pro 5 license. So I've got that going for me at least. Just gonna just. I've got a license. <laughs> yeah, I've got, guys, I've got like, a license. Guys, I've got a license. If you want real time shadows and complex shaders, I'm your man. I'm your man. Pick me. Pick me. <laughs> yeah, pick me on the team just for the license. So that's what I bring to the table: dev experience and a Unity Pro license. And then I finally want to talk about the games that have been built in the past, which we both looked at. We gave a pretty cursory look. We haven't like done a deep dive and like played all of them or anything. And I think you know more about it than me. So what I've learned is within 48 hours, okay, it's 48 hours, but you still need to sleep. You can't really build that much. Yeah, 48 hours is really not very long to gel as a team, to come up with a concept, and then just to try and throw the whole thing together. It's tough. So from what I saw, I mean, there was one game which was just a board game or a card game with a that's a board game thing a, a, a card game with a board is still a board game I'm sorry um, someone else had built something called Mortgage I don't know how, what the translation is from it to Chinese but I think it just translates as Mortgage Okay. and it's an Android game and you have to pick the flat you wish to buy you know you pick the region and the size of it and then you have things like you invest in your education which then dictates your income and then you have to think about things like further education and then have to think about things like um, your, your personal situation, like kids, marriage, and you're sort of controlling what looked like your property empire whilst managing your life. That seemed like a good idea. Yeah, that does seem like quite a good idea. <laughs> very Hong Kong-centric since they're very focused on property. I guess so. But I just think- well, those were the things made at the Hong Kong Game Jam, I guess. There was another one which I thought was quite interesting was the screen was split down the middle. On the left side, you were cleaning up the environment. And on the right side, the environment was changing as you tidied it up, which I thought was quite neat. most impressive thing was that for that one, it was working. A lot of the, the other ones, it was more of a pitch, I think, than actual something working. And it was more a prototype. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be the key point, not being too ambitious or just... I guess there's only so much you can do in 48 hours and you've got the choice of going deep on a concept 
maybe, but just showing how it would work, or shallowly trying to make a full game. It's going to be difficult, especially for, you know, for someone who's doesn't work in the game industry, trying to get your head round how to put this thing together. You're not going to have the same experience that other like game industry veterans are about what the normal way of doing the sort of thing is. And I can imagine that I'm going to get there. And by the end of the 48 hours, I've kind of just managed to get my head around the idea and like started like putting something together. It's like, oh, time's up. I just wonder how pro a pro game developer is. For instance, with ourselves, we could hack something together within 40... We could produce a prototype within 48 hours that actually does something quite impressive. Do you but, know what I mean? We could integrate with Google Maps and provide some sort of service off the back of that. I can't, Yeah, I guess so. Our kind of dev skills, they're more... We're, we're more... I guess we're more generalists. We're used to gluing things together. We don't have the same... Just because of the nature of our day jobs. We're not deep diving on, say, physics engines or AI or... We don't have a huge amount of experience about like meshing things and stuff like meshing in the 3d sense but we do have a lot of experience in meshing in the gluing together disparate libraries making a square peg fit into a round hole but through writing various kinds of adapter yeah so one of my old colleagues called us like professional data shovelers (laughs) data what shovelers we just shovel data from one place to another Quickly. quickly, we shovel data quickly. Yeah, we <laughs> shovel it very quickly and reliably from A to B. You need a game about that. <laughs> Maybe. You need to create something like Human Resource Machine, where it's a game about this, right? A, ga- a game about, yeah. So, <sighs> I think we've said enough about... The game jam. Or, do you keep going? No, I, I, think, I think we've said enough. I think, I think there's going to be not much to say until I've actually been. Which won't be, which will be in the next podcast. Well, you know, if it went well, you'll hear more. If it didn't go well, you won't hear anything. You'll never hear of it again. Yeah. If something happens, like I get delayed at work and I can't go, uh, it's a possibility. Yeah. Let's hope not. So finally, we got some feedback. Yes. (laughs) Feedback. Was it good feedback? I think any feedback's good feedback. We, we, you know what? <laughs> Look who's the optimist now. <laughs> we did, we did actually allude to this feedback. It was in the wrap up where yeah. we said, "It's like we, where we just say, yeah, like cut out the years, the empty years that don't go anywhere." Yeah. But <laughs> hanging <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we have got better about them. Yeah. Other than that one, just then. <laughs> That's an agreeing yes. I, they're allowed, right? Yeah, I think so. It's the yeah that hangs as if it's meant to prefix a sentence, but actually there's no thought behind it. So, so that's the details of some of the feedback we got, which was very valuable, actually. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So uh, this is Johnson. Johnson passed this on to us. And uh, he also had a question about symbolism in games. Can you say it better than me? I need to frame it properly. Okay, the way I interpreted the question was how symbols in games are... Oh, no, that's how do I say this? There's a lot of symbolism in games. I think particularly in... Particularly... Well, actually, this is an interesting point. Certainly the case in older games where the graphics 
weren't up to it. But I also imagine in newer games like those of Jonathan Blow, obviously, which is part of what I enjoy about them so much, the the allusions to deeper meaning or well, I think you'll have to play it yourself and then then we can have a conversation about it. It's almost a different kind of symbolism. Symbolism today is much operates on a much deeper level than symbolism back in the 90s, I feel. Yes, I think symbolism back in the day was we have to use this symbolic representation because we're unable to represent the real thing. So you'd call it skeuomorphism, right? That's how you refer to it to me in the past. I think that might be a different thing yet again. Oh, really? Oh, that's 3D. Oh, yeah, virtual reality. Yeah, I mean, skeuomorphism would be... It's more of an abstraction, a lot abstraction, really. Or the lack of an abstraction. Or yeah, skew, Actually, I suppose skeuomorphism, you could argue, is symbolism too. It's using using the symbols of real life to try and impart meaning to a virtual thing. Whereas, I guess this question is more about the opposite. So, you've got the symbolism of, what, like the power pills in Pac-Man? Yeah. And what does that, calling it, it's just a flashing dot, but calling it a power pill kind of implies, what, some sort of drug reference, I guess? Or, like, a big sword representing an attack increase. I guess it would be another example. How would you explain to me mushrooms in Mario, then? Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was on shrooms? I don't know, actually. The mushroom's a very weird one, really, if you think about it. Why a mushroom? This must have been asked at some point. We should probably look this up. And since you're the um, old school Mario fanboy. Are you saying it's my fault that I don't know? Yes, it is. Okay. The great power comes great responsibility. With great power up mushrooms. But, and I think the, the question also was touching on the opposite. So it was saying, what things do you see in real life that have amused you, that have made you think of the video game symbolism? So it, one of the examples was, let's say, a pizza. And if you take a few slices out of the pizza and it looks like Pac-Man. Uh, though, I don't know. I guess I haven't. Maybe it's just as you get old and your imagination starts to fall apart. Or maybe your imagination weakens because everything's too realistic these days. There's been less to it. I don't think I do see that sort of thing so much anymore. I mean, we had a talk about it and we were actually almost saying it's not exactly symbolism, but... Half-Life, the... Uh... Were you going for crates or crowbars here? <laughs> a bit of both, because <laughs> it turns out they're both from Half-Life. Yes. Uh, in terms of things like, if I, if I see a mushroom, I can't say it evokes Mario to me, yeah. but if I see a crowbar, because uh, I don't know about you, but I don't see crowbars very often. <laughs> no, but agreed. The, certainly the time in my life when I've seen the most crowbars has been the virtual crowbars of, of Half-Life. And then when I've seen a crowbar in real life, the first thing I think of is Gordon Freeman. And your example actually was quite related because... Yeah, mine was crates. When I see a lot of... If I see one wooden crate, it's enough for me to chuckle at myself. Because I see a lot of crates in games. But I've only seen one or two in real life. Maybe at most five. And it's just one of those things. It's it's a totally arbitrary... Well, maybe, is it, though? Crates are so versatile. To push, you can push them, pull them. You can them. push them, you can pull them, you can jump on them, you can break them. Push them in... Ah, oh, if you push a crane into water, it won't float, though. 
If it's a wooden crate, it'll probably float. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's very versatile then. <laughs> Although, having said that, is this like inverse skeuomorphism? <laughs> it's, it's something we've seen in a game and now we attribute it to real life. I think the other example I had was herbs in RE Resident Evil. Yeah, I was going to say, you have to say Resident Evil, you can't say RE. Sorry. Because it sounds like religious education. If you, if you say RE, the first thing that comes to mind for me is religious education. Well, you're a better student than I was then. So it's the herbs. What am I doing with them? That, that always made me chuckle. I combine them and I take them, but... Um, what are they doing with those herbs anyway? Am I rubbing, rubbing them into the wound or... Oh, rubbing, you're rubbing them into the wound. That makes much more sense. I just got. <laughs> what are you do with them? Otherwise, I just, this, I just had this mental picture when you said this. I had this mental picture of you like picking up like some coriander, and, like rubbing it into your forehead. Well, that's where the wound is. Yes, rub it there. <laughs> or you could, or you could just chew it, right? I guess you could chew it. Yeah, you could eat it. Yeah, or rub it into your gums. I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah, rub it into your gums. Okay. Or smoke it. It's the other thing people do with herbs. Mike's preferred. <laughs> Don't, don't 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 pin this on me. But you suggested it. I didn't even think about smoking it till you told me. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just wanted to chew it. When I was asked this question, it came. A, this was a lot harder than I expected it to be. Five years ago, I would have been laughing at everything like an idiot because yeah. it reminded me of something else. I don't think I. I don't think I have the same. Uh, I, like I said, I think maybe my imagination's been damaged, or maybe I think symbolism in games has changed exactly like the nature of symbolism games has changed from the 80s until now quite a lot yeah so symbolism in games is more the kind of symbolism you see with jonathan blow's efforts right that's how i see it yeah th- things that hint at a deeper meaning foreshadowing or rather than the overt symbols of the game difficult one it is a difficult one surprisingly so Maybe we can continue this, actually. If other people have far more insightful suggestions than us. Yeah, please, actually. I mean, I'd encourage that. Thank you. Sound like a teacher there just now. Did you? Yeah. Okay. And then we had another piece of feedback. Feedback. <laughs> feedback. That suggested that Mike was a rotten child. <laughs> That's so awful. Yes. From Doug, my friend, who has known me since... I was like six or thereabouts. What did Doug say? You threw a hissy fit when he wanted to buy Super Metroid. So, in. As well as you. So, Doug recounts the tale of when we were in virtual games uh, in Bracknell, Crack Hell. Is virtual games still around? I doubt it. I don't know, though. I haven't been. We should ask for. Um, if they want to be plugged officially. <laughs> you know what? I would be amazed if they're still around. Should send some scouts to Bracknell to see if it still yeah. exists. I haven't been to Bracknell for I haven't been to Bracknell for ages. Although the fact that I'm in Hong Kong probably explains that. <laughs> uh so yeah, the story goes. And I totally don't remember this, but I can totally believe it being true. <laughs> it's, I wanted to buy Super Metroid, and Doug wanted to buy Super Metroid, because it's a great game. But back in the day, it was really common to, to swap games with your friends. Of course, yeah. And so I was saying to Doug, oh, you should buy something else, and then we can swap. 
but, but Doug quite rightfully said, well, I want to play Super Metroid as well, so I'm going to buy Super Metroid. And I was apparently through his fit. Did you ever consider um, letting him buy Super Metroid and you buy something else? <laughs> you pointed this out and I was like, yeah, <laughs> why not? So I think I have matured slightly. Oh, but, but back then you wouldn't have. Well, mate, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't remember the whole situation. I've clearly like erased it from my mind because it, <laughs> it's so terrible. There's a few things we can go with here. So number one, this is true. I'm sure it's true. Number two, what game would you have wanted him to buy? Yeah, I don't know. Any game, I don't care. Any game, any <laughs> game we hadn't previously played. So harsh. How old were you? Oh, it's going to be embarrassingly old as well, I bet. No, I don't know. I can't have been that old. When was the SNES era? It, it must have been before between 94 and 96. Is that right? No, it must have been a bit more because we were in Bracknell on our own. So maybe like 14, 15? Is that plausible? That's PlayStation era, though. You know what? I don't remember when I was allowed... <laughs> when would I have been allowed out of the house unsupervised? Oh, that'd be, that sounds like 14, 15, though. Yeah, so... So you had a hissy fit in the store? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> this is one of those, like, maybe the less said about this, the better. <laughs> <laughs> we've already said too much. Yeah, we've already said too much. But yes, thanks, Doug. <laughs> you know too much. Good. Doug, PM me. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep this going. Yeah, fun, embarrassing facts about Mike. Shit, I wonder if... the. I wonder if my people do the same. <laughs> Kez, Kez, dish the dirt. Oh, shit. We, Kevin should not listen to this then. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to PM Kevin after this. I need some, it won't be listen to the podcast. It'll be dish the dirt so I can put it on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's fine. I'm, I have final say on the cut. <laughs> <laughs> so Ting thinks he can put stuff in, but he can't. Oh dear. On that note, that completes the feedback. Keep it coming. Send more. Please. You know, other random stuff I'm just going to throw in as a fun extra section. I played Super Mario 3D World. I went around your place. We played the Wii U. I played Super Mario 3D World, played Mario Maker. And I'm surprised. I liked Mario Maker much more than I liked Super Mario 3D World. I, I was actually a bit disappointed by Super Mario 3D World. Because... It wasn't like Mario 64 nope. at all. It's, it's really much more like Super Mario 3D Land. So I guess I'm still unfulfilled on the more exploration-style 3D platformer game. But you didn't play much Mario Maker. Are we, you still convinced? Did you play enough to be convinced at all? We didn't play much Mario Maker, but I really liked it. Oh. I, re- I really liked... We played we, When we tried to play the HDQ level we tried to play mr we tried to play some of the panga levels and we basically didn't make it off the first screen and then i appreciated just how difficult they are and then we played the mr angry war level from hdq and we actually we put in a few dozen attempts and we we didn't get very far but again that was fun that was fun i enjoyed it more than i thought i would uh but i'm not sure i'm gonna get a wii u it's fine it saves me buying more Wii U stuff. That's it. Accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's wrap it up. Please rate and subscribe to us. On iTunes. Please. You can um, 
Contact us on Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. Email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Levels Club. And hopefully from the 26th of January, we will be streaming The Witness. The Witness. On, on Twitch. Twitch. At Lost Levels Club. Oh, it's not at Lost Levels Club. Just Lost Levels Club. Thank you. And yeah, play The Witness. Join us. Play The Witness. Uh, actually, I'm going to get it on PC. Are you going to get PS4? You know the answer to that. Yes. No, you'll know what I'll check first. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought of that. It's obvious, really. So just to be clear, Metacritic. Metacritic yeah. thing is going to check Metacritic. Even if the PS4 version is some ludicrous price, because I'll be buying it from the UK compared to the Hong Kong Steam price. Do you want to still love everyone or do you want to change? your sentiment towards the others oh no i don't think we need to do that i just want to i just want to say please please play the witness with us play it tell us what you think but i may not read it until after i finished it bye <laughs> what is that it i don't know where you're here to go i don't know where, to need, go? where we, do you go where do we go we, we need a funny what's a funny sign off can we roar with a bye Bye. Bye. <laughs> Is that what pandas? No, have to be a bear, really. Pandas are so painful creatures to work with. Pandas are difficult creatures to work with. You can't really make the sound of just falling over. Have you seen the panda sneeze video? No. Maybe I'll put that at the end. Okay. 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 Whatever. Bye bye. Bye bye. Joy Bye bye.